Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss the final episode of Farscape. That's right. Season 4, episode 22. Bad timing. I can't believe we're done with Farscape, except for the movie. Right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this was the end? The the audacity to know you were canceled and end the show this way. I mean, the last couple of seconds, really. Or the last two minutes, because otherwise it would be a fine finale. Well, that's the thing, right? The last two minutes are kind of a, like, I was going to say- Fuck you, audience. I was going to say they're a fuck you. I mean, they're also like an insurance policy. Haha, uh-huh, now you have to give us a movie. Exactly, exactly. I just, can you even imagine? And, well, I mean, that's how Alf ended, right? Yeah, and he got a wrap-up movie, too. Which apparently did not address the fact that he was going to be dissected by the government. Yeah, it did. The whole the whole movie's about breaking him out of the FBI facility. Oh, I thought there was a thing where, like, his family from the TV show isn't in it at all. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, it's about breaking Alf out of the FBI facility. Ah. Uh. The family's... The, they didn't come back for the movie. Well, yeah, apparently it was a nightmare to work on that set. Yeah, well, because the Alf puppeteer is apparently a giant asshole. All right, let's talk about Farscape. Yeah, Farscape. Previously on Farscape, one second from every episode. I love when they do this shit. They, it's uh, eight frames from each episode, two different scenes, so four frames per scene. And yeah. Every frame of painting. Yeah. I feel like you're being sarcastic, but I really love when they do stuff like this. And it's just like such a dopamine rush to catch glimpses of things. And you're like, oh my God, I remember that. <gasps> oh, oh. Oh, I'm going to miss this show. Like, they knew what they were doing. They knew what was up. Pick the most iconic moment from each episode, which also includes Aaron's boobs from Revenging Angel. Yeah, I'm like, that's the shot you chose from Revenging Angel. The, like, giant cartoon boob Aaron. Okay, well, I mean, I guess to give them credit, what else were you going to show from Revenging Angel? Well, they could have shown... Joel digging through literal poop to try to find Dargo's sword. No, you could have shown Cartoon John riding the cartoon Farscape. Oh, yeah, that was that was fun with him on yeah. the little like, yeah, yeah, that would have been a fun shot. But that's not what they did. No. And then we get and finally on Farscape, instead of and now on Farscape. Yeah. So the opening of this episode is kind of weird time wise, although I, Farscape has employed that many many times. Yeah, we're in media res, which is weird because the last episode, which very easily could have been the last episode of the show, mm-hmm. was kind of like, you know, the battle's done and we kind of won, so we sound our victory cheer. Right. Like they were like all of our enemies are blown up, so what are we doing now? Right. But this episode it doesn't just begin in media res in the middle of things. It begins with a flashback of a flashback of a conversation. So we're seeing a conversation that we haven't seen where Scorpius is telling John that, well, it starts off with Scorpius telling John, you should trust me. A thing that you have talked about a lot, how John does in fact trust Scorpius. Even after Harvey betrayed him to get him to rescue Scorpius before, he's again, like it's the same thing, but he still trusts him. Scorpius is telling him that... I do want to point out Harvey and Scorpius are technically different people, even though they're the same person. Right, of course. It's a weird mirror to the two Johns thing, actually. Yeah, it is. Because the two Johns, like, we went above and beyond to establish that they are the same person even after everything they went through separately. Uh Uh-huh. 
but I feel like Harvey deviated a lot from Scorpius because Scorpius is pretty upfront about his intentions all the time. And Harvey, I guess, since he's just a figment in John's brain, doesn't really have that distinction. But did he learn that from John? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking being in John's brain has made him a more John like version of Scorpius. And that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, which raises the question, which raises the question, if John influenced the creation of Harvey, right? Mm. Does removing Harvey remove a piece of John? No, I mean, because I feel like Harvey is also a separate person inside John's head. Okay. So, you know, it's like, it's basically like hanging out with someone changes, you know, who you are. And if that person leaves, you're still you. It's just they're also you in a way. (laughs) I guess that's fair. Okay. Now I'm just thinking of Wicked. I have been changed for the better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except not. <laughs> because I knew you. Because yeah. I knew you. I have a movie that's so dark you can't see anything. <laughs> it's it's unfair to judge from the two stills that were released, but can, 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 can no one light stuff in Hollywood anymore? Why is everything so dark now? Oh my god, I have been watching Yellow Jackets, and I'm really enjoying this show a lot, but... It is so dark. I have the screen, my brightness on my screen up to maximum to be able to make out anything that is happening. And I know that it's because it's meant to be watched in a dark room on a large TV, but be real. Be be for real. That's not how people watch TV anymore. Yeah. And also, like, shows used to be, that used to be your only option for watching TV, and yet they still managed to light the set. Ugh. Where's the light coming from? Who cares? We're not worried about where the music's coming from. Just make it so we can see what's going on. Right? So, the conversation within the conversation. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a conversation within a conversation within a conversation. No, because Scorpius is telling John what he heard. And then John is relating this conversation back to Aaron. And then in a second, we're going to find out that we're actually getting the conversation with Aaron relayed to Dargo. So there, it's like... It's telephone. There's several layers of coming back. But the gist of it is that Bracca let Scorpius know that they intercepted a message from the Scarens. The Scarens are going to go to the wormhole, go to Earth, and... I was going to say destroy it, but they're not going to destroy it. They're, uh... They picked up on what John said when they showed him the flowers and he said, oh, it's a bird of paradise. I totally missed this last episode and I think it's such a cool little thing because this is this is the magic flower that gives Scarens their whole, you know, psychic power dragon thing. Mm-hmm. Like they'd be like, they'd be like the frog guys where they're a threat, but not like a major threat if they didn't have this flower that made them super intelligent and psychic and able to breathe fire or whatever. And the fact that John casually mentions, oh, hey, it's a plant it's a plant that's super common in my home world, which is obviously something he did not think about before saying, but they're like well, I mean, to be fair, he didn't know then that he was gonna blow up all of their flowers. I mean, even even then, being like, Hey, my planet has a resource that you desperately need is probably not the smartest thing to say to a warlord race of space people. Uh, I, I know it's a sci-fi convention, but uncomfortable. Yeah. Warlord race is. But also, why is John worry? I mean, I, I guess I thought the whole thing with wormholes is that if you weren't specifically set up to go through them, you turned into goo. Yes, 
That is accurate. So why is he worried about the Scarens taking the wormhole back to Earth? I mean, I guess it was solid enough for him to travel to wherever. Although theoretically, this is a different wormhole because it's in tormented space. Well, okay, it's not, it's, they, okay, I'm trying to piece this together, okay? Okay. Uh, Scorpius's guys turned to goo when they went through the wormholes that they created. This is, I believe, a stable wormhole that John was able to sense because he can sense wormholes. Okay, so... So I believe you can travel through this particular stable wormhole. That's why they have to go to it. They can't just create it. Okay, and that's why John was able to travel through the worm, the initial wormhole. Was, yes. Okay, okay, I get it now. So, like, naturally occurring wormholes you can go through with minimal problems, but if they're self-created... Right. And then part of the and part of John's superpower is that he can sense where wormholes are and when they're about to open. Because remember, this one is stable, but it opens and closes. So, okay. So, yeah, they can go through it if they know where it is, which they now do because of John. I also I'm, I keep going back and forth on Abed's thing about, you know, time. Yeah, how wormholes take you forward and backward in time, which we know they do. Mm -hmm. But his thing about the uh, Sebations being a future version of humans, I thought when they did the thing with the the Scarens and the Interions and the humans all having like a common link that just never came back, unless it comes back in the movie. It comes back in the Peacekeeper Wars. Okay. Because I was like, at first I was like, okay, you know what? Now I, I do buy Abed's theory, but I've been kind of going back on that because I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, Scarens and humans do in fact have a, Scarens, Sebations and humans do in fact have a common ancestor. Oh. Uh, but I mean, so, but, but that also goes to them having a common ancestor is different than Scar uh, than Sebations just being a future version of humans. Sebations are a future version of humans. Oh, that is confirmed. That is confirmed, yes. Okay. So then it's not a theory, Abed, if it is confirmed by the show. Maybe he didn't have access to the Peacekeeper Wars because they're not on the DVD. Because they were released by a different distribution company, so they're not on the DVD box set. I guess that's possible. But it's like my Twin Peaks. The internet exists, though. Come on, Abed. It's like my Twin Peaks thing. What's your Twin Peaks thing? How the... Pilot wasn't on the original DVD box set, so I watched Twin Peaks having not seen the pilot and had to piece together all the things that happened in the pilot from the previously ons, but I thought that the show was designed that way to give you, like, a sense of unease. I thought it was designed where you just started with Laura Palmer, like, with Dale Cooper already investigating Laura Palmer's death, and you just had to get what information you needed from the previously ons. I did not know that there was a pilot that was not on the DVDs. When I was younger, I used to have this thing about starting books at the second book in a series or uh, TV shows in, like, the second or third season. Like, the, the first season of Buffy I watched was the third season. Okay, but you just – but you did that on purpose. I thought – Yeah, yeah, yes. I thought was it was created this way, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's such a mind fuck. Okay, Farscape, which I guess we were technically kind of talking about, but... So John told them that the flowers that give them their powers are from Earth, or rather, they grow on Earth. So yeah. now the Scarens are going to go there, and so John is concerned. And Scorpius is like, hey, John, you know how I kept telling you to give the Peacekeepers wormhole technology? Not to keep banging this drum, but, uh, <laughs> you want to you wanna give the Peacekeepers... Wormhole technology and we can help you out with this? I mean, yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's definitely a thing, you know, getting the bigger or not bigger warlord race, but like it 
it is what the peacekeepers are technically there for. And honestly, that's one that's one of the things. It's it's how fascism appeals to people mm-hmm. by telling you, like, look, if you submit to this greater authority, then you and your family will be safe. It's all it's, it's the, the lesser appeal. evil. Yeah, it, it's the appeal of fascism. Like, yes, what our government is doing is bad. But it's to stop worse things from happening. So there's you just have to accept that maybe certain people should be imprisoned or, you know, I your children should be taken and raised as soldiers in a militaristic. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a problem because harm reduction is a thing. So it's like you have to decide is what I'm doing choosing the quote unquote lesser evil and actually committing evil or is what I'm doing harm reduction. And that is a complicated moral question. And in, in fact, even here, it's a complicated moral question, right? Like, like what what would it mean to ally with the peacekeepers? And as Aaron brings up, John trusts Scorpius's word, right? So she knows that John believes, and she believes this as well, that if Scorpius says, help us out and we won't enslave Earth, he will stick to that. Yeah, it's just... I mean, but, the, the question is, is this a promise Scorpius can deliver on? Except if Scorpius is saying it, then he probably has a reason to believe it is something he can deliver on. Well, a bigger question is, is it moral to do that and therefore hand an incredible weapon to a, an evil empire? Yeah. And like you said, the thing about this is sometimes you do have to choose the lesser. Like harm reduction, again, it's a thing. And it's one of the reasons where people are like, oh, I can't vote for x because they're good on nine out of ten things but then there's this one thing and it's like i'm sorry but like sometimes you do have to make compromises and it sucks and you know sometimes you have to vote for people who you know are going to do bad things just to keep people who are going to do worse things out of office and at the end of the day it sucks but like you're not going to get anything other than the moral high ground if you just decide not to vote for whoever. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I have trouble with a lot of political discourse. Well, people who say, people who tend to be against harm reduction are also generally not the people who are being harmed. Just Mm -hmm. throwing that out there. So, Aaron asked John if he is afraid of committing to this course of action. And... Oh my god, this scene. Wait, bad or good? Because I love it. I love this sequence. I mean, I guess there's never a good time to have this conversation, but like, hey, should we unilaterally submit the rule of your home planet to a fascist militaristic space dictatorship as a metaphor for our relationship is... An odd confluence of things. Okay, to be fair, though, what John is talking about is figuring out a way to destroy the wormhole and cut Earth off from the rest of the world. So that actually is a good metaphor for their relationship. Like, is there so much risk of danger that you're willing to isolate? Mm. That's actually a good metaphor. So this is the moment where we find out that this whole thing we've seen has actually been a conversation that John is relaying to Dargo. Okay, this... I know other things do it but it, this reminds me of that 70s show uh-huh because that 70s show used to do this split screen thing where eric and donna would have a conversation with each other mm-hmm. and then the screen would split and it would be them talking about the uh thing with uh you know donna would be talking with jackie the only other girl character in the show and uh, eric would be talking with one of the 
many boy characters in the show and they'd be t- they'd be dissecting the conversation that just happened and you'd see their own perspectives based on how they're discussing it with their friends. Okay, that's exactly what this is, except that their perspective is exactly the same because we cut to Aaron talking to Chiana and John talking to Dargo and Dargo's like, did she hesitate like that? When she asked if you were afraid of commitment, because if so, she was talking about her. And Chiana says, did you hesitate like that? Because if so, he knows that you know you were talking about you. This is a middle school ass conversation you guys are having. Well. I'm sorry. It is a high school ass conversation you guys are having. I mean, I think it's legitimate because Aaron does ask him, do you think Earth will ever be ready? Nope. I'm sorry. No. It's ready by the end of the episode. Is it? I mean... Yeah, I mean, spoilers for the end of this episode, but John proposes at the end of the episode. I, I meant Earth. Oh, no, Earth's never going to be ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't speaking as a layered reference to something uh, else. Yeah, no, no, and in fact... Like, the solution John comes up with is cute and all, but, like, let's be serious. And In fact, of course, this, this show is, you know, 20 years old at this point, mm-hmm. and when we do briefly go back to Earth... John's dad tells him that Earth has started banding together since they left. And apparently since that since that TV show John saw aired, mm-hmm. Earth has banded together and they've started actually, like, working for a common good. And I think here... Sure, John, dad. Yeah, I think here we, we are less hopeful that that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing people always reference is Watchmen for this. Right. You know, the whole plan of... We're, create an outside threat for all of earth to band around except i feel like the implica- like the implication of the end of watchmen is that it does not work that you get a brief window where everyone is you know okay we're all going to join together to fight the giant vagina squid uh but i mean rorschach's journal got leaked to that uh journalist and it's like I feel like it's the same thing we saw. We did see post 9-11 where, yeah, there was this patriotic thing where everyone was supporting New York and stuff. But that was really only applied to, you know, you if you seemed like you belonged to the in-group of, you know, actual Americans. Right. I mean, if you talk to people who were Muslim in New York post 9-11 or, or even who looked like they might be, yeah. like that's... The, the whole our country came together story falls apart a little bit. Yeah. The Simpsons even had a thing about it using very controversial, uh, you know, figure Apu. It's it's a one-off joke where he's covered his entire store in American flags and he's like, please stop beating me up. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, uh, but, wow, I feel like we went really off track here. Uh, well, no, here's the thing. We didn't go off track because we talked about, like... The real world dark implications of war, which I, one of the reasons I respect Farscape is because it goes there in a way that sci-fi usually doesn't. There's a lot of really militaristic sci-fi out there that is like... Even Star Trek, which is... Even Star Trek has the Federation, which is generally an unalloyed good. Don't talk to me about Section 31 right now. And, and, you know, in Farscape, it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe war is hard and maybe it's means align yourself with people who are evil and maybe there is no moral path and maybe you'll suffer from PTSD for the rest of your life. And I respect that kind of reality, which honestly modern Trek does touch on a little bit, but only now, 20 years later, Farscape was Farscape was out here doing this 
I mean, that's the thing that really bothered me about First Contact. Like, everyone who's not the bridge crew on the Enterprise is killed by the Borg in that. And at the end of the movie, they're all like, Yay, we got to see First Contact! And it's like, literally all of your co-workers are dead! Like, everyone in Star Trek comes off kind of like a psychopath, or sociopath? Like, just because, like, crew members die basically every episode and people have non-reactions to it. Okay, to be fair, people generally do react with horror to crew members dying in the show. The movies became, the next-gen movies became very cavalier about just killing people off. Mm. I don't know. I know, I know, sometimes they do kill a lot of people and seem to not care, but, like, the show at least shows an impact. I don't remember the episode it was in, but there's this one episode where they, like, hit a space pothole or something and a crew member gets partially phased through the floor uh-huh. and i'm like that didn't add anything to the plot like it 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 it, it raised it, the stakes i mean it just seemed like it happened because nothing had happened in a while and they needed to keep you invested like i, I don't know i'm not saying that they didn't weren't dismissive of death at all in the TV series. I'm just saying that it seemed to have more heft in the TV series than in the next-gen movies, which really do just dismiss it. Yeah. And, of course, my favorite captain, uh, Janeway, is a bloodthirsty monster. But, see, again, they address it! Yeah. (laughs) It's part of her personality. She loves death. I've never actually watched Voy, but uh, because I don't want to shatter my image of Janeway as a horrible monster who will kill anyone for looking directly at her. Well, we're going to have to watch some Voy in our next, next podcast. <laughs> next, next, next podcast. We got a lot of podcasts on the docket. It's true, but they're they're all pretty short. We've got a four-episode miniseries coming, then just the first season and a half of Studio 60, and then Welcome to the Q Continuum. The first season and... First half of the first the Right, you're right. We're stopping at the Christmas episode. I was thinking the Christmas episode happened in the second season. But no, you're right. It happens in the first. Studio 60 got a second season? How? No, you know what? I'm thinking about all that time we had during the mid-season break. Uh, Made yeah. it feel like two. Oh, it, it did. Especially because the like that seemed like a stopping point for the show. But I guess a lot of shows did that. Like Glee did that because they weren't sure that they were going to get a full season. So like the halfway point was could have theoretically... The halfway point in the first season of Glee theoretically could have been the end of the show. Right? Like, I feel like I watched a lot of Glee, but I was responding to a a TikTok thread about, like, what episode made you stop watching. And when I looked up what episode number it was, I was like, this was in season two. I stopped watching Glee in season two. The Rocky Horror. Yep. Yeah, I watched until the New York split, and then I was like, eh. But also, like, the stakes, once they won... uh, Regionals? Nationals. It was like, okay, so... Where do you go from here? I was kind of making a community joke there. Yeah, yes. But what about regionals, guys? <laughs> what? What is regionals? Is this not regionals? Well, and later in the show, no one cares about regionals. It's just the thing that you win so that you can get on to the actual important stuff, even though it was like the most important thing. In the... Okay, moving us on to the important stuff, which yes. is Farscape. John asks Scorpius what exactly his plan would be to keep them safe from the Scarens. And his plan is get to the wormhole with the peacekeepers and then the peacekeepers will be like hey if you go to earth it'll be an act of war and the scarens don't want to don't want to start a war <laughs> okay yeah so then john pushes scorpius out of the out of moya a little bit more happens in between them but literally that's what happens no yeah. he he's for, 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 actually first he straps a bomb to him <laughs> he straps what is with john and strapping bombs to stuff recently it just became his thing in the last few episodes to be fair 
He figured out it worked once. He's going to keep doing it. Yeah. Wouldn't it be frustrating if he figured out something that worked and then didn't do it again? I mean, he 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 figured out, he figured out, hey, Sailor Moon can just use her finisher at the beginning of the episode and then that's the end of it. But he basically, he straps a bomb to Scorpius and he pushes him and Sakozu out of the ship and so that the peacekeepers can pick them up, not to kill them. Yes. <laughs> not into the vacuum of space. I mean, in the vacuum of space, but they're wearing space suits. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and he tells Braca that if Braca tries to chase after Moya, the bomb will explode, but the bomb will be deactivated once they're gone. So it's basically just an insurance policy. So now Scorpius and his girlfriend can go back to the peacekeepers and John and Moya and the rest of Moya's crew are going to super, super starburst to the wormhole to beat the Scarens there. And John's going to try to destroy it before the Scarens get there. <laughs> I'm sorry, just I'm flinging uh, Sakozu out. Okay, I, honestly, I'm glad you brought it up because it is amazing. When he pushes them out, Sakozu shouts, you're a weak species! And Scorpius shouts, John, reconsider! You doom your planet with these actions! And you know what? I kind of love them both. I love them both. You know what? I love them all. I love John too. He did what he had to do. It's just, it's, it, it's like when I, I never really watched, but it's like when Uncle Phil threw out D, DJ Jazzy Jeff, you know, and they had him always, he had to always wear the same outfit so they could just use the same shot. <laughs> yes. But it, it's literally just that shot, but with Sakozu and, uh, and Scorpius instead of DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yes. I hope I'm getting that right. I did not watch much Fresh Prince. You are, you are correct. Yes. So, uh, the thing that you were tweeting about when you're watching this episode happens now, which is that the hat scare and decides to have a backstory. Like, I thought she got blown up with everyone else. I guess she didn't. I mean, they didn't explicitly say that she got blown up even though she was on the ship where the explosion happened. So I guess she survived and the Emperor survived, even though, honestly, they were both on a ship where a giant explosion <laughs> happened. They should both be dead. But, you know, John and the rest of Moya's crew survived in an elevator, so. If, if you tuck and roll during a nuclear explosion, you'll be fine. They ducked and covered. They ducked and covered. Oh, and honestly, I, I can't believe that we're on the very last episode and I haven't mentioned that Hat Skyron is, is Ben Browder's wife. I should have mentioned that before. Yeah, she gets one thing. She was the bone vampire. She was that, like, she, sycophant mm-hmm. alien. In the Kiss the Princess miniseries. Yeah. But Hat Lady is like, you despise me because I've carried on a secret affair with blah, blah, blah. And the Emperor's like... I don't know who you, like... Also, we find out that her father used to be the emperor, and the current emperor became the emperor by killing her father, and he's like, yeah, we're Scarens. That's how you, that's how you advance. Yeah, what like, are you so mad about? You've always hated me. You've been conspiring against me. I don't think about you at all. Like, it's just that meme for Mad Men. Now, honestly, I do think, because what she says is that her lover is the Scaren who's in charge of the ships that are headed to Earth. So she's saying that the Emperor sent him on that ship specifically to punish her because he knows that they're all going to die because John Crichton keeps blowing shit up. And I think that might be true. She might be right about that. Eh. I was going to say, that doesn't seem like the sort of thing the Emperor would be involved in, except he seems very proactive for someone who's an Emperor. Is it like a King David situation? I was I was thinking about that, except that King David sent Bathsheba's husband to the front lines so that he could fuck Bathsheba. And I do not think that this guy wants to fuck Hat Skyrim. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> she, th- I, it's one of those things where she th- definitely thinks she's more important than she is. Yeah. Speaking but, of, do we, did we find out what happened to Greza? Uh, we find out that she's being held prisoner on the ship. Bracca right, mentions right. it. I, I, rem- I remember there was a line about something happening to her, but. 
I mean, I guess it would make sense that the peacekeepers have her and she's... Yeah, Bracket took over and she's being held prisoner on the ship now. It's fine. I don't have to think about Greza anymore. Yeah. But last episode, or a couple of episodes ago at least, you were mentioning that it made sense that the Sebations would send expendable people to meet with John and get blown up, whereas the Emperor was meeting with John himself. And now they have learned. You don't (laughs) send the Emperor to meet with John. You send the guy that you're okay getting blown up. Mm. Meanwhile, John has not quite figured out how to destroy wormholes. He can create them, but he can't destroy them. So he's trying to figure it out, and he gets very frustrated that he can't figure it out. So he takes a flame gun and flames out the equations he was working on, which is relatable. Mm, mm. Not going to lie, it's very relatable. Also not a fan of math. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. Mm-mm. I specifically went to a college where I didn't have to take any math classes. Yeah, I, I got to take, like, I think childhood development took the place of my math credit Mm -hmm. so moya does an extended starburst so that they can go super fast and beat the uh beat the scarens there which is kind of cool we get to see everybody get thrown around the ship one last time have you, you've seen those Star Trek stabilized things, right? Yes, I, those I are hilarious. Those. I also heard a story that at one point, I want to say it was Jerry Ryan and Will Wheaton, but I'm not sure about that. We're on a different show with each other mm-hmm. and they were getting thrown, tossed around on the show and they they ha- they used the code they used in Star Trek to talk about how big the explosion was so you knew how much to throw yourself around. That was a... Uh... I, I never played them myself. It, w- it was a thing that I, I read about. I'm not sure if it was something people actually did. Maybe people were super into improv. Shatner. Is that what? It, oh, it was the thing where someone would say the code word and you'd have to pretend that whatever you were on was a, a starship. You know? Yeah. 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 It's that and infomercial, which is something you chat when someone's holding something and they have to act like they were in an infomercial. Improv actors must break a lot of stuff. Yes. So... Anmoya Naranti comes to report to John that she needs a line this episode, and also that everyone is super sick from the from the you know giant starburst. And Stark passed out, which is good because now he's not screaming anymore, and Rigel's vomiting everywhere. But maybe that's just Rigel. Who knows? <laughs> okay, it's it's not yet, but part of uh, a big part of this episode is John trying to undo the brain lock that is stopping him from getting the how to collapse wormhole knowledge. Yeah. Because every time he unlocks all of the wormhole knowledge, there's always one or two things that remain a little bit locked. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I just, I I can't figure out how to collapse a wormhole and everyone's offering different suggestions. And I love how it's just, it's like a character packet because he's like, how do I unlock the wormhole knowledge? And Shiano's like, sex, you should have sex with someone. And Naranti's like, drugs, you should use drugs. And Dargo's like, violence! I mean, Dargo doesn't say that, but I'm sure if he asked Dargo, that's what Dargo would say. Yes. And true to form, Aaron gives the right answer. And she gives the right answer by not trying to give him the answer. She comes in, and I love this because she, like, physically throws Naranti out of the room, and Naranti's like, I can take a hint. And <laughs> Oh, Naranti, you definitely can't. Speaking of Uncle Phil and DJ Chassy Chaff. Yeah. She, like, <laughs> so she tells John that she saw him, like, burn all the math in the hanger and he says that he just he can he knows he can get it he just doesn't have time and she's like yeah she's like all wistful and she's like yeah we never have we never have good timing do we and he's like timing that's the answer it's the key to comedy it's true also tragedy yeah so john go it 
It's tragedy plus time <laughs> equals comedy. John goes to Pilot, and again, I love this because he tells Pilot, you know, you can't see it, but right before a wormhole opens, there's like a little bubble. And Pilot's like, I can see that. Can you not see that? Of course I can see that. But John's idea is that if they can pop that bubble, they'll collapse the wormhole. It's like a balloon and then something bad happens. I know. It's such a stereotype of like bad sci-fi answers to a question. But you know what? Whatever. It's fine. It, it makes sense to me. It's fine. Pilot tells him that it, it's good. It will work. Except that there is no way that John, with his weak human abilities, could could do it. Which I guess, yeah, it makes sense. Pilot is going to have to step into this role even though he's merged with Moya. Well, Pilot says he can't. Pilot says he does not have the ability. Pilot's like... Listen, you would need someone with multiple arms and a brain that was super, super, super powerful and used to massive amounts of multitasking. And John's like, like you? And he's like, no, can't do it. I don't have that ability. I mean, also, he is literally crammed in Moya's brain hole. Yeah, but I'm also foreshadowing that he's lying. He totally can. Yes. I'm sorry. I thought we were all up on that. That He very clearly <laughs> was talking about, I am the only person that can do this, but eh. John, I like you, but I don't super care about Earth. Honestly, I was thinking about while we were watching the show how much everyone sacrifices to save John's home planet. Yeah. You think anyone gives a shit about whatever dumbass planet Dargo's from? Although, to be to be to be fair, I really do think that had the show continued and had the series gone on to be about uh Chiana and what's happening with the Nabari, people would have been equally willing to sacrifice themselves to save the Nabari. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Chiana would be I feel like Chiana isn't a huge fan of the Nabari herself. I mean, to save the Nabari from the evil Nabari. Uh. To save the Nabari resistance. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, isn't like, the I... resistance just like three people now? But one of them is her brother. Yeah. Does that get picked up on at all? Or was that just no, like that was the dropped, plan... dropped? That was the plan for the next season. Uh, I, I, I was just curious if they had like a throwaway line in the Peacekeeper Warriors. Oh, by the way, you got a message from your brother and everything's cool on a Nabari home planet now. No, no, it doesn't get picked up. I think it might have been picked up. I don't think it even got picked up in the novels, but I think there might have been like... Comics. Comics. That's usually where plots go to die. Or to, undie, to relive. To come back, yeah. <laughs> it's where plots go to relive. All right, so Rigel goes to talk to Pilot because, as you said, we are all on the same page. We all do know that Pilot can do this. And Rigel's like, you should do this. And Pilot's like, you wouldn't. And he's like, no, of course I wouldn't. But Do you want to be me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, seriously? Of course I wouldn't. I'm the shittiest person in the universe. Do you want to do the same thing the shittiest person in the universe would do? Which is a pretty good argument. Yeah. I'm... Like, good for Rigel for kind of saving the day by guilting Pilot, which, again, such a huge place to come from. When, in season one, when he betrays everyone for literally no reason. I was going to say in season one where the rest of the crew was ready to cut off Pilot's arm. Mm. And now we're so close that they're telling, I guess it is kind of the same thing because they're still telling Pilot to risk his life. Yeah. Now they're telling him to cut off his whole body. <laughs> Development. <laughs> No, but it's because it looks the same on the outside, but the emotions behind it are so different. It actually is development. It's actually a really remarkable, cool way to do development. Meanwhile, Scorpius and Sakosu are boning right in front of Baraka. It's so awkward! 
Like, usually when you say shit like that, you're exaggerating, but you are not. Like, like, Scorpius has, like, four fingers in her mouth, and she's, like, rubbing up against him with her butt. And Brock is just watching from behind a window with grumpy cat face. He's watching from, like, an observation deck. But, yeah, just, I think that's just so we know that they're okay and they might come back in the movie. Yeah. They, they really don't do anything else in this episode. They don't help you know, with the solution at all, so. Yeah, this is just so that we know that they didn't die in space for no reason. Yeah, which is nice. I guess there were a number of people. I would have been amongst them who wanted to make sure that they were okay, so. Yeah. They're okay, they're okay, and they're fucking well. Braca watches. It's kind of funny because the last episode, we're like, oh, look, Sikosi's finally part of the crew, and then she's in, like, three minutes of this episode, one of which is her getting kicked out. Well, I was like, look, they finally accepted them as full members of Moya, and then they literally <laughs> kick them into the vacuum of space. <laughs> Oh, so honestly, I don't know why the next sequence why they're wearing bunny costumes takes place in bunny costumes, but it does. But I don't know what I I guess. I mean, it makes sense that you would finally put Scorpius Harvey that you would finally put Harvey in a bunny costume because he is Harvey. But they tie it to Easter, and Scorpius is like, "This is how you celebrate this the birth of your savior, the death of your savior, the death of your savior." Okay, but you said it like ominously. He says it like, "What the fuck is wrong with humans?" And he's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's a spring festival. Bunnies are for fucking. To quote, I believe Susie Izzard. I believe that Susie Izzard is the one who initially made that joke in her stand-up. If you look at a lot of things we accept as normal, they have very bizarre origins. I mean, a lot of it is just advertising, honestly. Okay, so yeah, this weird sequence. I feel like this doesn't help anything either. It's just like, hey, we're going to put John and Scorpius and Harvey in bunny suits and have them wrestle for a bit. And it's not really going to move the plot forward at all. It really doesn't, considering that it's the thing that gets gift so often, especially every Easter. Like, I don't really know what the point of it was other than other than as i said they were like oh it's the last episode we need an excuse to put harvey in a bunny suit i really thought uh we, we get another we get another quick clip of sakosu and scorpius like all over each other and he starts strangling her and i was like oh that's a turn but it turns out it's a sex thing so i guess that's fine yeah it's just a sex thing so, like, uh, you were like, oh, he's going to kill her. And I'm like, no, they're just into that. Yeah. Cause, I mean, because like he wraps a leather cord around her neck and I'm like, uh oh. And then and then she's like, ha oh, and I'm like, oh, OK. So you got to be careful with that sort of thing. Like, come on, people. So Aaron goes to talk to Pilot because she is the crew member that he's closest to. And she was part pilot at one point. She was. Little arm and everything. Yeah. In the episode where Pilot lost his arm. Yeah. And he tells her that he lied to John. He can, in fact, do the thing where he pops the bubble. And Rigel convinced him to do the right thing. So Stark is going to take over for him because obviously the Moya needs a pilot or she'll flip out and everyone will die. Because they need to detach pilot so that he can go on the transport and pop the bubble. I really thought that was a thing that they couldn't do once you were like locked in for goodsies. So they're going to go down to where he's attached to Moya. Dargo is going to slice him out of Moya and the wounds are going to scab over within an hour and they are both going to die without each other if they're not reconnected. So it's not a thing you can do. It's like, this is like surgery, essentially. 
where they're cutting him open and they got to put him back together uh, before he expires. I thought it was more like if your thumb gets cut off, if you, you know, get it, if you put it in ice and go to the emergency room, they can reattach it as long as it's in a certain, you know. Well, it is, except that if for some reason you had the ability to do that with a vital organ. Yes. So Stark is going to take control of the ship. Well, Stark, their most stable and reliable uh, crew member, is going to take control of the ship because it's good to have a death priest there in case anything goes wrong. I assume it's because his abilities make him... Function on a higher plane. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do love that Naranti's like, here's some drugs for you, and here's some drugs for you. I guess it's it's probably a Zan thing, too, where he's, like, helping Moya manage her pain. Yeah, except he's not... That's not really his deal, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I really like that before Dargo starts cutting into Pilot, he says he needs Pilot to say it. He needs Pilot to say, okay, do it. Hmm. Which is a good contrast to the cutting Pilot's arm off thing in season one. Yeah. And so he does, and Naranti's like, wait, you have to stop, he can't take it! And Shiana's like, Pilot's fine. And Naranti's like, no, Stark! Stark is Cause Stark, useless! Because Stark is flipping the fuck out, and Shiana runs up to Stark and she's like, hey buddy, we don't have time for this right now. And he's like, oh, okay. She she slaps him, she slaps him to bring him back to... She slaps him on the metal part of his face. <laughs> yeah, just to kind of shock him back into to control. That's how oh. you get death energy on your hands, Shiana. He says that he flew Talon. Of course, that's why they think he can fly Moya, because he right, flew Talon. And right. he and he says, it's completely different. Talon was basically self-flying. And he realizes that he he can't he can't fly Moya. He can't keep the life support going. It's too much information. He can't process it all. And okay, last episode, last time in the episode proper where we talk about how this is a role-playing game, Chiana's mm-hmm. like, okay. Let me use that cheating use of prophecy that I've had. Yeah, yeah. Which is such an amazing way to cheat and use prophecy. It's, this is one of those things where I'm like, you need a kind of generous DM to get away with this. Mm -hmm. But she's like, I'm precognitive, right? So I can use that to psychically merge with Moya and help her. No, 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 no. It's so much better than that. Chiana's precog abilities... Give her eidetic memory, because if she sees something, she could have had a prophecy of seeing that thing, and she has the ability to go into her brain and review her prophecies. So prophecy gives her eidetic memory. I'm sorry, it just... Is everyone in the universe a better precog than Phoebe Howell? (laughs) Yes, the answer to that is obviously yes. Because Tiana's precognitive abilities have been inconsistent at best Mm -hmm. but she uses them to do that thing that you just said now she's blind forever for realsies Mm -hmm. and you'll remember she's been blind for some period of time after each after each time she's used her ability and it's gotten longer and longer and now yes she's blind forever yeah she's like this time feels a little more permanenty so the wormhole opens and john heads back to earth or to the moon Hmm. almost earth not quite the moon. No, I no. This is actually really. This is one of my favorite things. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, when John gets to the moon, he sees that his dad has clipped a picture of his family to the flag that's on the moon. Okay, three kids, three kids. There are three kids. Okay, so John, John's sister, and I guess John's 
other sibling who had the cousin from yes. that one episode. Yes. Nephew? Yeah, his nephew. Okay. Yeah. Who I guess we just not talking. I mean, we didn't know John had a sister until randomly she showed up on the, you know. But apparently John has two siblings. Yes. So that has been confirmed now. So John uh, from the moon calls his dad. <laughs> Hi, dad. I'm on the moon. Can you pick me up? His dad, by the way, is in the middle of talking to people about the team that they're putting together to try to get into space. So I guess either it's a wild coincidence or that's just what he does 24-7 now. Can you ha- imagine how much impact that would have had if it, <laughs> if it had happened right when I turned the TV on? So back when John was on Earth, the plan was to take, like, 500 of the best thinkers and scientists and whatever and turn them into, like, a space core. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's still the plan. They're putting together, like, 500 of the best scientists to make a space core. Space force. Yeah, space force. And although, although, what we hear Jack saying mm-hmm. is that he doesn't want them to be armed. Yeah, which makes sense, I guess, because, I mean, let's be honest... It's not like guns were going to be that helpful. He says, I'm not strapping a handgun to 500 scientists. Yeah. (laughs) But also it's supposed to show that Earth is becoming more unified and more peaceful. Also, like, why start a conflict? You have no chance of winning. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I will say that in Stargate, where John is heading after this, often it will be the case where the Stargate team will come to a new planet and they'll be like, we're peaceful explorers. And they'll be like, then why do you have giant guns? And the team will respond, have you seen space? So John calls his dad and his dad's like, John, where are you? And he says, I'm on Serenity Base on the moon. (laughs) His dad's like, well, come to Earth. It's just a second away by Moya. And John's like, okay, look. So I'm going to do a thing that's going to stop evil psychic space dragons from coming to earth and enslaving all of you so that you can grow flowers mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to destroy the thing that takes you from space space to bum shit nowhere space where earth is mm-hmm. but i'm also leaving you a bunch of alien technology on the moon you're gonna have to prove that you can work together to get to the moon an easily not easily achievable but an achievable goal for Earth, you have to work together, and then you can have this technology that might help you defend yourself, but not really. But it will theoretically open more space to you. Yeah. I, I like that. The answer to how to get to space is on the moon. You have to get to the moon. Yeah. He leaves the information on the recorder that he's had since the first episode that he's been making notes on. So his dad's not only going to hear that, but remember all of the other notes he left to his dad when he was in space where he was talking about space. Remember when that was like the framing device in really early Farscape, him yeah. like talking to his dad, and then they just dropped that like a few episodes into season one? Yeah, but that's okay. Are we assuming that he's still been doing that, or do you think he just ditched it and he was like, eh? I think he just ditched it. But we did see him on Moya recording his final entry, which is the introduction. My name is John Crichton, an astronaut. Four years ago, I got shot through a wormhole. Like My friends. Yes. Insane military commander. We didn't hear him say that part. So I don't know I don't know what he decided to say in that part. It's cool. We ended up boning the same lady and then he died. Well in the in the final season he changed the he changed it from insane military commander to I've made powerful enemies. Hmm. So he might have still said that. Did he I, I thought he ditched it earlier. Earlier than that third season. 
Yeah, I thought he ditched it around the time Scorpius became the... Yeah. It, I... Yeah, a, a while back. It's like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where they mix it up every season. Yes. The theme. Mm-hmm. Although the first season is the best. I know you like the second season a lot. I like the second season a lot, too. But... I, yeah, I like the I like the second season song of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because it does a thing that I think Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the show, is stellar at, which is take a moment that seems silly and then fill you in on a bunch of information and then revisit that moment. And now that you have the context, it like hits you like a Mack truck. Mm. That's why I love that song. And actually, I just recently saw Rachel Bloom live and her new show also does that. She starts off with this monologue and then the whole show happens and then she revisits it and it was just a silly little thing. And now you're like, fuck, it's really an amazing show. Okay, what I thought you were going to say is that I really loved the scene, even though you thought it was stupid and cheesy. Oh, God. Yeah, with his dad, because he has this he has this whole cats in the cradle thing with his dad, which maybe it's because I have a good relationship with my dad. Not that I'm implying anything. Okay. Like. I disagree. I disagree with your uh, description of the scene. And also, I was going to say I didn't feel, I don't think, as intensely about this scene before I was a parent. Mm. Because what his dad says is, you know, he's like, John, take me with you. And I thought we were going to explore space together. And John's like, I can't. I have to go off. And his dad says, oh, and, and so his dad says, you know, tell tell my grandkids about me. Like, go off. Live your life. Have an amazing life. And tell my grandkids about me. And John says, of course, I'm going to tell them about you. You're my hero. And his dad says what every parent wants is for their child to outstrip them, to go further and better and do more than they did. And so I guess I'm the best dad in the world because you are the most amazing person. And like as a parent, oh my god, that hits me. It's true. What you're you're raising this amazing person and your your goal is for them to no longer need you, to outstrip you. Yeah. Like it, I don't know. It it hits me really hard and much harder as a parent now than it did when I was, you know, just some dumb teenager. <laughs> eh, it the whole thing just feels like somebody working out their issues with their own dad. The whole, you know, Hey, son, even though you're doing a nerdy sci-fi show for nerds, I'm proud of you and I love you. Okay, here's the thing, though. Yeah? I feel like John has had a positive relationship with his dad in a way that other fictional men usually do not. I feel like this show has portrayed a positive relationship with fathers. Not counting, not counting Kansas and Terra Firma. I feel like Kansas and Terra Firma did Jack dirty. Aren't those the two big Jack episodes, though? I feel like when we flash back to him in John's mind, he always has a stronger relationship with his dad in early episodes. Mm. And I think that they did him dirty, and I think that this is kind of bringing it back around. Well, the fact that his dad was the one he was talking to in the early recordings. Yeah. Just the, the whole, like, Jack struggles to say I love you, and then he says, finally says it to his son after talking around it a whole bunch i'm like just tell your kid you love him don't make a a whole dumb man production of you know oh i can't say it or it'll make me weak or whatever i don't see i don't feel like that's jack he he gave he gave john his puzzle ring before he went into space and that's the thing that saved john which is like a very powerful metaphor like I, i i just it's true if you're only going by kansas and terra firma which to be fair is the extent is like the biggest amount of time we see jack yeah, he's kind of a dick in both of those episodes. Yeah. I mean, we can kind of say, well, okay, in Kansas, it's because 
John is a teenager and no teenagers have good relationships with their parents. Mm. And in terra firma, it's because he is traumatized from 9-11. Like, yeah. but, you know, yeah, you're right. You're, you're not wrong. But <laughs> that's what, it's, and all that does is make me like this scene more because I think it brings him back around to being a good dad again. Well, and we know that he gets along well with his dad because when the cricket aliens want to convince him that they're good, what they do is take the form of his dad. Right? All right, so the wormhole opens. John's going to go through it. They're going to pop the bubble. The Scarens chase after them. The ships are on the wormhole, and they're, like, flying. They fly through each other because they're both phased because they're in a wormhole. And it's a super weird feeling and a super cool effect. And then the wormhole pops, and Hat Lady's boyfriend shouts over the comms, John Crichton has destroyed us! And then it explodes, the wormhole closes, and all of the Scarens on that ship die, and Hat Lady's like, God damn it! I'm gonna be the villain now. In the next season that's gonna happen, it's gonna be me. She's like, fucking John Crichton, oh my god! It would be really funny, I know they wouldn't do this, but it would be really funny if she got attacked by the bone vampire. (laughs) Is that out of nowhere. Because I like the thought that the bone vampire has just been hanging around in the background. Because they seemed like they were going to do something with her. Like Scorpius picked her up. She was around and then just no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So now we're on a planet. Moya is chilling while Pilot heals from, you know, being plugged into Moya. And (laughs) Stark is like, Pilot, I did such a good job as your replacement. Chiana only had to smack me like... Three times it'd be permanently blinded for it to work. And Moya is on a planet in an ocean recovering. Uh-huh. I do I do really like the fact that Stark has this whole speech about like maybe with time your wounds will heal. And then Naranti, like to to pilot, and then Naranti comes and she like grabs his face and she turns it to her. And then she gives him literally the same exact speech. <laughs> Which I think is them making fun of this sort of speech when it shows up. And oh, they totally are. Yeah, totally. Because it's such a it's such a like sci-fi shaman like yeah thing, and I do appreciate them being like, okay, this is hokey bullshit. Yes, I was going to point out that Moya is on a planet, which we learned in IET is not a thing that Leviathans typically can do, but Moya did it in that episode. Yeah, and here she's doing it to heal. There she did it to hide. Here she's doing it to heal. Yeah. It's just, I it just I feel like so much of this episode brings everything around full circle to the first season in a really cool way. And Shanna's like, Dargo, I'm blind. How am I ever going to, you know, how can I live life never seeing your face testicles ever again? And he's like, we're in a sci-fi future. We can just find like one of those weird breather aliens to fix your eyes. Like, the diagnostician who literally says that, yes. Yeah, he's like, this is like a non-issue. I mean, we're going to have to go through some gross, horrifying sci-fi bullshit, but, like, you know, eh. <laughs> Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> so. Do you know what? how much brain surgery John has casually had? It's true. John and Aaron are out on a boat doing their thing. And, again, bringing things around full circle. He has a coin, and he says, remember, we flipped a coin to decide if we were going to stay together. He flips the coin again, and she's like, no, we're not doing that again. She takes the coin. She lets the coin fall into the water. And she tells him that when she was captured by the Scarens, the stuff they did to her made her baby come out of stasis. So now she is really and truly pregnant and definitely going to give birth very shortly. And also, the baby is his. The baby's coming right now! (laughs) But, you know, soon? I I, I assumed it just meant that the baby was actually going to grow and not just, you know, 
hang around her uterus waiting for a good time. I mean, yes, that is true. I actually don't know. I think they tell us, but I don't remember what the gestation period is for sebations. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, spoiler alert, the baby is going to be born in the movie. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not really a big spoiler. I feel like everyone could figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but also the, you know, revelation that it's his baby, I'm like, I thought we all already knew that. She told the Scarens that it was. Yeah. We knew that. She did not tell John. She did not confirm to John that it was his. He was pretty sure it was his, but it obviously could have been Crace's. It could have been any number of guys that she could have recreated with during, when they were apart. Yeah. She was being an assassin. But it is John. Well, other, <laughs> it, it's it's probably technically other Johns. Yeah. Although we do know that John and other John both had sex with Aaron, so theoretically it could be either of them. Uh. John pre-split. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Since they can, since they could stay there forever. Like, yeah. It could have been the guy she killed. Yeah. So John gets really excited. I, this sequence is cute because Dargo is watching them on the boat and he's relaying to Chiana what he's seen, but he can't see it. So when John gets all excited, he's like, John's angry. And then he's like, now John appears to be injured. He's gone down on one knee and he's given Aaron some sort of ring. And Chiana's like, didn't you watch movies with me when you're on Earth? He proposed to her. Yeah, <laughs> Because Dargo's like, he's given her a ring. That must mean that they, they're going to fight to the death. <laughs> Chiana's like, we were on Earth for like half a year, dude. She's like, you didn't watch one rom-com with me the whole time we were there. And now you look, and now you look uninformed. <laughs> Embarrassing. Embarrassing for you. And I like Rigel, who we know had all those wives. It's like, ugh, marriage. <laughs> and then we have a happy moment where John and Aaron are engaged and... It's going worm- on too long. You can't trust it. This happy moment's going on for too long. The wormhole to Earth has been closed. Everyone is happy. We'll never have problems again. Never have. Yeah. A lot of crazy ex-girlfriend this episode. Yeah. Anyway, then a ship comes from out of nowhere from the planets that they're on and is like, hey... Invaders. Yeah. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah. They, they blow up John and Aaron's boat. Yep. We see John and Aaron get crystallized and then shatter into a million pieces. And then we zoom into the pieces and we see the pieces scattered about the boat and the ring sitting amongst the pieces. Grim. The end. The end. How, how angry, how angry would we be if this was the end? That would be so much bullshit. It just makes me think of the second part of... uh... What's it called? The see the princess or look at the princess, mm-hmm. where the episode ends with John's face melting off, and then the next episode opens and his face hasn't melted off at all. And yeah. It's like I would have just assumed that it was more of that bullshit. Not to spoil the movie, but this is actually much closer to the 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 second episode of Look at the Princess, where it ends with him being beheaded, and then we find out it's fine. He was crystallized beforehand, so he could just stick the head back on. Yes. We very conspicuously see John and Aaron get crystallized before they're shattered into a million pieces. So, yeah. I mean, that- <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a spoiler to be like John and Aaron are in the wrap-up movie. What What kind of movie would it be if John and Aaron were not there? Yeah, it's it's just Dargo and Chiana and the rest of the crew declaring war on this planet for killing John and Aaron. Yeah, there you go. Now, I know I said that if the movie didn't exist, I would tell people to stop at the previous episode. 
Although, honestly, there's so much good stuff in this episode. I really love it. So yeah. maybe I'd tell people to just turn it off 30 seconds before it ended if <laughs> if I... Yeah, last couple of minutes aside. Yeah. Just when the nice scene seems like it's going on for too long, turn it off. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to do that because there is a wrap-up movie. And we're going to talk about the movie. Spoiler alert, John and Aaron aren't dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie in two parts for our next two episodes, mm-hmm. and those are going to be really extended because uh, both parts are an hour and a half long. Oof. So, yeah, we're gonna that's going to be a, a long thing. We're going to do it into it, – it's generally when it's anywhere, like the DVD splits it into two parts, uh, Peacock splits it into two parts. It's generally split into two parts. It aired in two parts. Those are the – that's how we're going to cover it. Yeah. It, with that split, if you're if you're watching along with us. And uh, the Peacock summary of the Peacekeeper Wars movie Mm -hmm. is, speaking of lesser evil, as the war of an era capable of destroying the universe looms, it's up to John Crichton to rise to the challenge to keep the Peacekeeper race safe. Mm. And the first half also has a summary, which is John Crichton and Aaron's son are reunited. (laughs) They're they're putting all the pieces back together. (laughs) It's a, the, the, the thing that you referenced was uh, Emma Frost being shattered in all new X-Men. Yes. Because I, I, I know how to talk to you. <laughs> yes, you do know how to talk to me. All right, so... Uh, well, so I, I just wanted to quickly, now that we've finished the series, I just wanted to know what you thought of this episode. I, I liked it in general. I it, it is a good last episode of a show. It feels weird because last episode was also a good last episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems weird to have two good finales, one right after the other, but... Yeah, usually when that happens, one of them is bad, and you're like, oh, why are we still doing this? Yeah, or, or one's a breather episode. Again, like the dream episode at the end of season four of Buffy, mm-hmm. where the climax happens the episode before, and then there's just kind of a... God, how would you describe that? I, I do like the dream episode of the Buffy. The denouement, the declining action. Yeah. Yeah. But this, it's just a secondary climax, which is fine. Yeah. 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 All right. So talking about our segments, I was going to say for the last time, but we'll probably talk about them during the Peacekeeper Wars. Mm -hmm. Like John, we are in a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you in this episode? Okay. I really liked John's plan to get the nations of earth to work together to get to the moon to get the technology i think that it's a very cute idea i love that that's literally world building yes literally world building yes building up earth yes um this is also kind of it feels weird to call this world building but as much as i just said that that ending would have been a fuck you if it was the real ending the idea that after everything john's gone through he's just killed in a random encounter yeah just some random alien who's never heard of john Crichton, who doesn't know about the shadow depository or the wormhole knowledge or all, or the dreadnought all the other shit john's done yeah because again not, not to keep going back to buffy what is this our, our charmed podcast but like just one vampire needs to get lucky yeah it's not always a world-ending thing yeah like John, we've encountered strange alien creatures, and I think we're going to talk about the only creature that is new in this episode and also kind of badass. It's so cool, and it reminded me of it, the alien that blows up John and Aaron. We get to see it briefly in its ship. It really reminds me of the thing with three mouths from the pilot. When yes! Because like, I feel like they did really kind of move away from the whole aliens being complicated puppets thing. Yeah, this alien, it actually, it appears to be an actor at first, but it is in fact an animatronic, and that's how, if this race had... Had gone on. That's how they were going to do it. Partially played by actors and partially by animatronics, because it's got a head that opens up to reveal like 
a, a Geiger alien style penis eye thing. It's so cool looking. And fun fact, it's voiced by Ben Browder. Huh, maybe it would hook up with Hat Lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me think that they stuck this explosion on at the last second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This the That whole thing had real filmed in post to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. But Poochie died on the way back to his home planet. Literally! Literally! Literally, Poochie died on the way back to his home. Yeah. Man, if we still named our episodes anything other than the episode of the actual show, which we do now for SEO reasons, and also because it was hard to come up with episode titles every every week, we would definitely name this one Poochie died on the way back to his home planet. (laughs) But also that alien, in in addition to giving me, you know, filmed later vibes is also giving me we had this cool alien design we were canceled we have to burn it off vibes yeah oh yeah oh yeah this is this is did you watch x-men evolution yeah the the bit at the in the series finale where they like where they like cram uh the the phoenix saga well they don't cram it in it's professor x has this thing where he was like when i was in the mind of apocalypse i had a vision of the future and it was just all of the stuff that they were going to do for season four (laughs) it's kind of cool i kind of like that like john we are exploring the wonders that we have seen what emotionally resonated with you this episode okay i didn't really have anything i i enjoyed the episode overall i like all of the places all the characters were left but I don't know. I hit all, we hit all the big emotional beats last episode and mm-hmm. it just feels like they were doing them again, which I'm fine with, but it's it's, you know, not as effective the second time, you know. All right, I'm going to do two then. Okay, go for <laughs> I it. I mean, obviously John talking to his dad. You heard me get teary even as I was describing it just now. Yes. But also Dargo telling Pilot I need to hear from you before he cut into them and the way that, that showed is a great moment. how they've grown as a crew and you know, I'm a sucker for found family stories and the fact that this is a crew that grew together, like, much the way that Pilot grew, like, into Moya. Mm. I just, I love it. I love it so much. Much like uh, that little arm grew out of Aaron. And on that <laughs> note, our show is, imagine if this was the end. Yeah. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you can tweet at us at ilovetvzines, or you can email us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. 